Hey everybody, welcome to Roar. My name is Sam and I am super excited just to get into the conversation. Woohoo! Rah rah! Hurrah hurrah! I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be good today. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, checking it out. If this is your first time listening, um, welcome. If you've listened to every single one up to this point, also, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to have you back. Um, the show, we just basically get into the Word, talk about it, let it reveal to us more and more of who the Lord is and who we ultimately are with Him, joined to Him, like the Bible talks about. So, I want to read Titus chapter 3 today. Um, we'll see how long this one goes. I I think there's so much good in Titus chapter 3 now. Titus chapter 3 is on the, like, tail end of Titus chapter 2, which again, he's, he's talking about um, how, like, our behavior, basically. He's talking about how to act as a leader or someone in the church, in the body of Christ. And he says this in verse 1 of Titus chapter 3, remind them, talking about us, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work. So again, we already have had two bad words, submissive and obedient, that have already been used in this first sentence. So now we get to keep going. If you want to listen to a recent podcast, I talked about authority, and uh, I think that's really good. I think it's interesting that's one thing he's starting with here, because again, all things stem from how we view authority, how we view the Lord, how we view God himself, how we view our parents. All of those things matter. So that's why he's reminding us to be in that submissive, meek humble uh, way to rulers and authorities and being obedient, but at the same time being ready for any good work to do. Verse 2, so that they don't speak evil or to speak evil of no one, and to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards other people. Now, there's a lot of things in here. Speak evil of no one, no criticism, no... um, uh, passive-aggressive comments, uh, sarcastic comments in the sense of ones that just completely tear people apart. Um, it's just don't speak evil of anybody. Avoid quarreling. So when you speak evil of no one, it actually avoids quarreling because it says to avoid quarreling, right? And then to be gentle. So that's like a, it's a heart posture where you're not just a, a complete brute that is just smacking in the teeth, but you actually have a gentle disposition. And to show perfect courtesy, there's a word we haven't heard in a while, courtesy, open the doors for other people, let other people go first, um, wait, be patient, you know, get so, like that courteous attitude towards all people. Now, all people includes our enemies, includes people we don't like, includes people we don't agree with. Um, we're to be courteous towards them, we're to avoid quarreling with them, we're to be gentle to them, and we're not to speak evil of them. For we ourselves, so then now he brings this statement of how we treat other people, and again, all of those behaviors typically can be justified with, well, they're just blah, 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 that's why I treat them badly, that's why I'm not gentle, that's why I speak evil of them, that's why I argue with them, because they don't listen to me, that's why I'm not courteous, because they can't appreciate whenever I love them, right? So typically that that can be a response that we would have to verse 2. So thankfully, in verse 3, um, to this letter, to, in this letter to Titus, we get a good little uh, humility check, 
You know, it's kind of like you're driving down the road and you see a speed limit sign. It's like little check here. Just remember what the speed is. Remember, remember why we're doing what we're doing. Well, that's why, why do we remember this? Verse three, for we ourselves were once foolish. So now it is no longer about just how we treat other people, but it's now about because of where I was from and what has happened to me. So, you know, because that's typically the place that we, you know, use as a gauge to, to make our decisions. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and led astray. So, we ourselves were in all of those weak points that typically can push our buttons that would make us not want to avoid someone, or excuse me, would make us want to speak evil of them. Well, they're disobedient, so then we speak evil of them. We quarrel with them because they're foolish. Or we're not gentle because they're disobedient or they're foolish, right? Or or what? Well, what does it say? It says they were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were slaves to our passions and pleasures. See, if someone's in slavery, you view them a little bit differently than if they were a free person. And see, that's where love comes in because what master we serve, again, what authority, if we're not submitted to godly authority... We might think we're out of the, I learned this working with, um, with cattle, worked here on a ranch and, um, you get these cattle, if you get them in a tight enough pen, by the time you get them into the bigger pen, they're way happier, but nevertheless, they're still in a pen, but in their minds, it's like, I'm free. I'm free. I'm out of that box I was in. I'm finally, I have all this space. And then the pens just progressively get bigger. It goes from a, a pen to a feed lot, and from a feed lot you get bigger and bigger feed lots. Then ultimately, depending on what kind of cattle you're running, you might run them in the pasture. Well, the pasture still has a fence, but man, it feels pretty freeing, doesn't it? It's the same thing in our lives. We might think we're free. Oh, well, I'm not under authority. Look at all the room I have to run around. But nevertheless, there's a fence at the end of that line, and on that fence, you're slaved, enslaved to passions and desires. Because as soon as your passion or your desire is threatened, now all of a sudden you're kicking, you're fighting. Well, you're still boxed into your passions and your desires. You're not free of those. You're not free. You're still boxed in. But it felt like you were free because, well, I'm not under any, no one's telling me what to do. So at least I got some freedom. It's an illusion. And see, the the the, the scriptures wanting this us to see this. That again, why? What, what, what happened? What, what, what changed in our hearts whenever we serve Christ, when we give our lives to the Lord in submission and honor and being, you know, following him, being obedient to the Lord, being obedient to the Lord in those areas, that actually is where true freedom is given because then the one who creates freedom and gives freely, the ultimate authority above all, when you're in that humble submitted, honoring, meek place like Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. I am lowly and I am meek. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Right? Why is, well, you're still yoked. You're still under authority. You're still yoked up to Christ, but the burden's light. You're free. You feel free. And see that, that true freedom is one that doesn't, again, naturally it's not going to make sense because, well, I want to be able to do what I want to do. Well, duh, everyone's flesh wants to do what everyone's flesh wants to do. But see, our God, our Father is spirit. He says he is seeking those to worship him in spirit and in truth. That means when the heart is right, the spirit of a man, the inside, the inner man is healthy and right, then the true workings of the outer man, the submission to authority, the honoring one another, speaking evil of no one, avoiding quarreling, the gentleness, perfect courtesy, those things will become a byproduct 
But again, what happens first? Well, this is what he's talking about. Because of our slavery, verse 3, to various passions and pleasures, we passed our days with malice and envy, hated by others and hating other people. So there used to be this root of hate. Because again, if things are all about passions and pleasures and just doing what I want, well, I want my freedom. If that's the root of my behavior, of why I do what I do, then I am enslaved to hate and hatred. Because as soon as someone crosses my passion line or my boundary of what I think, you know, I that's my freedom. As soon as that's crossed, I now have hatred, envy, pain, bitterness, right? Disobedience foolishness now then will abound in my heart and ultimately in my actions. But check this out, verse 4. This is the good news of the kingdom of heaven. You ready for some great news? This is some good stuff. But, that little hinge word right there, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, verse 5, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness or anything we've done, but according to his own mercy, the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace or his outstretched arm, we might become an heir According to the hope of eternal life, the saying is trustworthy that and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful and devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now, that's a lot of good news. That's a lot of weight. Hold on. Woo! That's great news. Everyone should, we should be cheering right now, screaming, doing backflips, if you can do a backflip. This is like really good stuff. So why, again, why do we speak evil of no? How do we get outside that box? How do we, you know, how is the the box of our, our passions and our pleasures? See, passions and pleasures are destroyed when the true love of God comes and is manifested, when there's a real connection with God absolute authority, but absolute authority is pure love. See, a lot of times, and this is another aspect, when we look to authority, a lot of times we try to judge how God's going to react as absolute authority based on human authority. Human authority is still authority. It stems from God, but God himself is fair in all his ways. He is not the man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. So he's not a liar. God doesn't lie. What he said, he said, he meant it, and he's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't just flip-flop. So as an authority, he's he's perfect at being the absolute authority because he's perfection. perfection. So because of that perfectness, when we associate with authority, a lot of times it's an imperfect authority. And again, we can't put, let's not put that on God. That's, that's not who he is. Who is he? Well, Jesus revealed who God was. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, how did Jesus, who exercised authority in the earth, how did, how did he act? What was his posture? Well, he said, I am lowly and meek. So there's a humility that love carries. There's a tenderness. There's a gentleness. So when we're reading in verse 2, Love is not up there just speaking evil of anybody. God's not up there just bashing us. If he spoke evil of us, we would be vaporized. 
because of the authority he carries, the power that God carries, galactic Again, can't even describe the magnitude of every single star in the known universe couldn't even hold a candle to the power that he has when he speaks. The entire universe was created when he spoke. So if he speaks evil of us, we are vaporized. If he judges us by speaking evil, you're done. You're you're done. Everybody, you're smote, smoted, smited, peace, goodbye. But see, God himself... He's, he's, he's got Jesus who came as an intercessor between. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. God's not just arguing. Love doesn't just argue. Love is gentle, but to be gentle, God is kind. His kindness that was shed abroad and his courtesy towards us. Look at how courteous God was to send Jesus. He didn't have to open the door to him, but he opened the door. He came up and said, I'll send Jesus to open the door so that way they can come inside and they can know of me. They can experience who I am as their father. He opened the door. What a courteous action. Why do we open doors for other people? Because we want them to go inside. We want them to experience, right? So he opened the door. Jesus said, you know, I am the door. So it's kind of a fun pun, but it's really not a pun. It's very true. He did open the door. But look, he saved us not because of works. See, again, he opened the door, not because of us opening the door or doing anything, but because of his own mercy or desire, right? His desire for mercy and the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit whom he sent when he poured out the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus. So not only did he open the door, but he gave us a brand new suit. You know, it's like we're going into this nice restaurant and we want to go in there, but we're not dressed to, you know, it's a very expensive, expensive steakhouse. We're going in there about to eat, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of steak or whatever meat, like it's it's going to be nice. But what, what do we need? Well, there's a proper attire for going in there. Well, what does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit to clothe us. He sends the Holy Ghost who rest up, rested upon his son, Jesus, in the form of a dove, says he came and rested upon him. But now he sent the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Jesus breathed upon us and said, receive Holy Spirit. When he came to the disciples, he returned, he breathed on them, said, receive Holy Spirit after he was resurrected. So there's, there's this element of we have the breath of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God that's living on the inside of us now. So we're clothed, clothed in truth and in light because of his mercy. So, And then we're also justified, verse 7, by his grace. So again, he opened the door. He stuck out his arm, said, you want to come in with me? Let me show you how to, let me show you how to eat. Let me show you, you know, how to hold your fork, how to hold your knife. So he's now doing all these things. But it's because that's what love does. And see, that realization of who love really is, when we see Christ, when we see how he carried himself, he walked, he taught, he loved, he laid down his life, that same representation helps us associate with absolute authority. So then when we see authority, authority is not just some vengeful, punitive judgment, but authority actually is a loving, protecting, caring father. Authority, when in its proper light, no pun intended, because God is light. But when it's proper light, we now can associate with true authority, at the very least, the ultimate authority. So then when we honor the authority underneath, which again, I don't have time to go back into any of that, which I've talked about before, but we honor the authority underneath, we're now associating properly because we understand at the top of it all is love. And love conquers everything. So we think about this. Then being justified according to the hope of eternal life, because we know how good God's love is. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy. So all that just said, it's all it's trustworthy to say all these things. And insist on these things. 
so that those who believe may be careful and what? Devote themselves to good works. Why, why do we devote to being good? Well, we devote to acting like the Father. What would love do in this situation? What is the good work, the godly work, that if God himself, if Jesus was standing right here in this moment, how would he treat this situation? Would he treat it with gentleness? Would he quarrel? Would he be gentle? Would he be courteous? Back to verse 2. You know, how would he handle this? Again, that's how we're, we're seeing through this lens of love now. And these things are excellent and profitable for all people because love brings up, it edifies. Everybody is brought up when love is happening. Verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, verse 10, after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do to him, do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. Now, that's a very sobering statement to end up such a wonderful paragraph. Because, again, all of us being subject to the authority of love, and what love would do, who love is, what love has done for us, talking about God, what He's done for us, the Father and sending His Son, to stir up division, and divide those who God united through the blood of the cross, that it creates, it's a self-condemning thing to do. Because that's not what love's about. God didn't, it's, Jesus said, I wasn't sent into the world to condemn it, I was sent into the world to save it. So there's this reality that, why are we in the earth representing the one who came to save us and we're going to condemn it because of, you did that wrong? Or again, he's talking about genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. So I'm going to argue about, well, you did that wrong. You shouldn't have done it this way. You should have blah, 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 whatever. And now I am dividing the very thing that Christ died on the cross to unite. Because of what? And all the while, the only reason I'm even able to be knowledgeable about any of this, any truth or light, is because God himself opened the door and then gave me the Holy Spirit, and then walked me in with grace and said, let me show you how to use your fork. Let me show you how to use your knife. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to look at the person at the table next to me, whom Jesus and God himself also brought into the restaurant of eternity. So now all of a sudden, I'm going to look at them and say, well, they're doing it wrong. Don't they know how to use a fork? The only reason you can even use a fork is because God showed you how to use a fork. So, Far be it from you or me to judge the next person using their fork. If they're using their left hand, you're using your right hand. Although they should use their right hand. Well, maybe they're left-handed, dude. I don't, you know, like having that humble approach that, Lord, you're, you're the one that's, you're, you've got them just as much as you've got me. That helps us to not become self-condemned. Because then we're not going to stir up division over petty little things such as genealogies, dissensions, and things of the law, and foolish controversies. Or I heard this, they said that. But instead, standing on the truth, standing on love, standing on the rock, which is Christ, and let His church be built from that rock. And let's grow together, let's love one another, and ultimately, whenever we're all seated at the you know, the wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb, we all got a seat at the table, and we're all just... We all learned how to use our forks and knives, and we're just enjoying the goodness of our Father who shed abroad His wonderful mercy and His grace and His love and His righteousness and justifying us through the Holy Spirit and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us through Christ Jesus. So anyway, that's all I have to say for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This was good. It was fun. Um, yeah, this this stuff is really, really 
encouraging. I don't know about you, but I'm like super happy. And I wasn't even like, I was the one that was just, I was hearing it first. You know, sometimes when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm like, man, that is really good. I'll go back and listen because I'm like, that was really encouraging. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for for listening to the show. If this show blessed you or encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends, share it with family, word of mouth, uh, share a link. All those things do help more people listen, and that would be much appreciated again if you want to. But thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Um, May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.